Hey, it's Mr. Cos. Coming at you to brag. Here to sweep you off your feet, give your mind what it needs. Man, let me hit y'all with something, man. It's crazy. But I think this had to be a podcast I had to do. I could give a damn about how sensitive some of y'all's ears may be. The truth will be as it is, and it must be unleashed, and it will come even when you don't ask for it and when you ain't searching for it sometime at some point. So I'm providing it for you now. And this is going to deal with $5 Indian Act and how the original indigenous Native Americans got the rug pulled from under them. And I'm going to give y'all some dates, some particular editorial that describe exactly what the fuck went down. And I want you to realize black people don't need approval to govern ourselves, right? I have to say that to begin this. The truth is far stranger than fiction. And we've all been fed a lie. And the premises of that lie is what compelled us to not have sovereignty today when you consider black people, African Americans, and so on and so on. When you consider labels that are used for us, copper skin, individuals here that originally occupied this here land before settlers arrived. Once you realize real quick just this date, we gonna, we gonna slide I'm putting everything on here right now, all right? Everything that I got right now that I'm willing to provide for you, I want you to legitimately background check everything. Research everything. Dare to basically see what it is. I want you to realize that a lot of what we genuinely believe is the truth and is normal is exactly opposite. But you realize in 1870 and 1880, on that time period, we had black congressmen, right? In what you consider today as America. And these black congressmen created what you call the Republican Party. What you consider the Republican Party today is completely not what it was when it was first created. So everything I'm about to say here now is not to promote Republican Party or Democrat Party. I'm not not no party. Okay. Not not getting at that right now. But you got to know the roots of this to analyze it correctly. We had black franchises. Okay. 
black groups, committees. And when I say black, I mean indigenous aborigines, AKA what you call Native Americans. We had that already. Now I want you to know that when it came to us governing ourselves, we already had a process. We already had cities. We already had a lot of what we genuinely see today already in motion when it comes to sovereignty, things of this nation that are not reflected now. They were reflected back at this time. I want you to know in 17, the 1700s, in 1776, when slavery was abolished, that there was an influx of what would be copper skin, indigenous individuals, what you call black people today, who took the helm in positions in Congress. And I want you to realize the point of why Congress is so important. The president does not make things change. It's quite clear. In fact, if the president was in charge, there wouldn't be a governor appointed in each state. Nor would there be a need for Congress. I want y'all to keep up with me, man. Because this here has got to be fully researched. In 1890, the Black Republican Party, and I'm going to say that, just Black Republican Party, just to make it simple. It was abolished, right? And we had what you consider to be white supremacy and literacy tests and things of this nature put in motion around 1890. I want you to realize that none of this stuff was being done when we had indigenous individuals in office. And I'm about to hit you with this. When was the Voting Rights Act? As far as the date, when was it? Give you a second to think. If you do know, do you already know where I'm going with this? But when was it? It'd be 1965, right? And in 1965, the Voting Rights Act was for what? It allowed who to vote? What you call black people. So we already have a simple question here. How did our ancestors become congressmen prior to having a right to vote? I'll ask that one more time. If we already had black congressmen a hundred years before, The Voting Rights Act even was put in motion 
why in 1965 was there a Voting Rights Act even put into play? Who were we told to vote for and for whom and why? Ask yourself. Ask yourself that. What led us during the civil rights era to go to the polls and vote? And what were they voting for? Why? You gotta ask yourself these questions. I'm gonna say real quick, just like racism has to be taught, one has to be taught to forget their lineage. One has to be taught a history that is not theirs. If segregation and racism existed during the 1870s and 1880s, how did our ancestors have congressmen in office? Just ask yourself that question. Initially, that wasn't the case. As far as racism and things of this nature, that when we had people in office like that, there, that was not initially the case. There was no such concept of racism on a federal level, especially affecting us. Why? Because we were sovereign. Why were we recognize as sovereign? Simply due to the agreements that we had made with settlers who came here who were not from here. All right. It's basically like we told them to recognize that we have been here for extended amounts of time. Hundreds of thousands of years. Already working by our own concept. Our own. What would be to others our own way of governing ourselves. In 1895, white settlers were informed of what benefits the Indians were entitled to from that their agreement. So many settlers traveled to the Dawes Roll Commission, which was created by Henry L. Dawes. But people traveled to this commission to inquire about having their names enlisted on roll cards for full-blooded and or freedmen Indians of American land. In 1898, the Dawes Roll acted as a census for documenting of one's ethnic backgrounds to determine one's association with specific American Indian tribes. It also determined which Indian tribes would get land allotments and other benefits that were detailed in return for abolishing their tribal governments and recognizing federal laws. So basically, they told you you can get benefits if you stopped identifying by your lineage or ancestry, to put simply. In order to receive land, Individual tribal members first had to apply and then be deemed eligible or suitable by the commission. 
she wants you to know the US government listed all full-blooded indigenous aborigines of America mainly all those they thought had African-like features as colored for their classification of race documented inside of the 1900 census So once you know federally the word black means clinically dead, white means alive. You know that the word black was rooted from that word colored, right? I hope you are keeping up with me. Black and white are not based on skin complexions at all, but actually are confirmations of one's status. When you look at federal usage of those words. Our ancestors made treaties with Congress and not with the president. In 1887, Congress made the Interior Department the trustee for approximately 145 million acres of Indian, a.k.a. American Aborigine lands in America. Black Indians, or rather Aborigines of America, were to benefit, but the government gave the majority of the land legal tenders, tax reliefs, and other specialized benefits to white settlers who paid off the Citizenship Administration organizations in order to become members of what is known as the Five Civilized Tribes in Indian Territory by Congress. The Commission to the Five Civilized Tribes was appointed by President Grover Cleveland in 1893 to negotiate land with the Cherokee, Creek, Choctaw, Chickasaw, and Seminole tribes. And it is commonly called the Dawes Commission after its chairman, Henry L. Dawes. Just want y'all to know, this is the root of the lie, to begin with. But follow me. Keep up with me. Black Indians, or rather Aborigines of America, were to benefit, but the government gave the majority of the land, legal tenders, and tax reliefs, and other specialized benefits to white settlers. Okay? All they had to do was pay off the Citizenship Administration organizations, all right? What was this? That's what you call the DOS roll, right? AKA, what is the DOS roll? The US government listed all full-blooded indigenous aborigines of America, mainly all those they, taught, they thought had African-like features as color. White US citizens could then pay $5 for each white adult and white child to be listed on the DOS rolls, AKA what you would call the $5 Indian Act during that time. want you to realize why that's so damn important. That's basically like you knowing you're not genealogically, genetically, ancestrally at all tied to a particular location. And you go there and pay $5 to be identified genetically, ancestrally, and everything else. To be connected to that location. 
this is where the lie really takes root. Because it took foreigners years for that initial plan to take over to take place. Hence why originally we had aborigines of this nation. As you know today, America, which back then, our ancestors called this place Turtle Island, if you do not know. But this is how we had aborigines already in Congress. And when I say already in Congress, we were there because they didn't have the control they have now. Why? Because they literally had to work to get to the point they are at now. What you literally concede as federal laws applying to sovereign aborigines, actual Native Americans that are full-blooded, this really occurred around the 1900s. As soon as the census basically put anyone who was full-blooded indigenous down as colored by being called colored that ultimately got driven right around the corner to what word black and as you clearly know i've said the word black means dead but what also does it mean it's an inanimate object you could look at that is that you are property As soon as you were property, you then became a slave. Truly. On federal means. Not just through trade and commerce, but federally. You're a slave now as well. So I want you to know that when we looking back at the 1700s and before that and what slavery was, I want you to realize that Money was not a thing back then, okay? Slaves were disenfranchised children, if you did not know. You had to be 18 if you were a female and 21 if you were a male to become what you would call a, a disenfranchised slave. Now, what is that? Disenfranchised simply means you lost your sovereignty and you more than likely were considering yourself or referring to yourself as anything other than your actual ancestry. Now there's something called a promissory note. And you can sum this up as being basically like an application or a contract. And you know with every application contract there's always guidelines to things that you must follow. But then there's always things that are described whether it be from the person you're applying with or on page telling you the things that you will get for putting your name on that line. It's a contract. I want you to ask yourself this. How was there 400 years of slavery? When the first African slaves, as we know it, as far as document. Landed in Jamestown, Virginia in 1619. 
They say 20 and some odd Negroes arrived. Now I'm about to describe exactly who said that. Okay. Now there's a letter. That was traded between two individuals. And in this excerpt, in this letter, we had a man named John Roth sent a letter to Sir Edwin Sandys in 1619-1620. Sir Edwin Sandys, treasurer of the Virginia Company of London, the Jamestown colonist John Roth describes events in the Virginia colony within this letter. These include the first meeting of the General Assembly, a murder trial, and a controversy involving the Indian language interpreter, Captain Henry Spellman. He also notes the arrival of 20 and odd Negroes, the first Africans in Virginia that were considered slaves, but more so, the first African slaves that were shipped here. In greater detail, he recounts a visit to Jamestown by a Potawomac elder who in 1613 had been responsible for delivering Roth since deceased wife Pocahontas into the hands of Captain Samuel Argonne. Now they appeared to be engaging in diplomacy independent of the Indians in, of, the, of that time. The letter is dated January 16, 19. Slash 1620. The two years reflecting both the old Julian calendar and the new Gregorian calendar. I just want you to understand. How the hell is it possible for there to have been 400 years of slavery when the government present here in America is only 244 years old? What time period are they referring to? I'll ask again, one more time, how the hell is it possible for there to have been 400 years of slavery when the government present here in America is only 244 years old? Just ask yourself that and really think about it and you really gonna realize how ridiculous that is. It's absolutely ridiculous. We have to realize something here, guys. Gals, whoever's listening, really. Gotta realize something. The truth is genuinely right in front of your face on a daily basis. But the thing about the truth is, is that you need eyes to see it. And there's no greater form of being blind than having eyes that see and choosing not to see shit. That's the worst kind of blind there is. And that's what is inducing most of us when it comes to our perceptions now of what we believe to be the original indigenous individuals who occupied this land before settlers arrived. Y'all need to understand, man. Yet again, the truth is stranger than fiction. Keep up with me.
the commission to that five civilized tribes that was appointed by President Grover Cleveland in 1893 to negotiate the land with the Cherokee, Creek, Choctaw, Chickasaw, and Seminole Indians. Should have realized in 1902, during an early spurt of the year, the U.S. government reacted maliciously by developing a separate freedmen's list specifically designed to rule out all copper-colored Indians from receiving those newly established benefits by way of federal government. Hence why the Dawes role was extremely effective. And to sum up exactly, like I said earlier, if you went to a nation that was clearly not connected to your lineage, your ancestry, and you went and paid $5 to be put on document that you have lineage here at this location when you indeed do not, you then get the benefits, the allotments, and everything else that comes with that, correct? That's exactly what happened here. We have individuals who were not at all indigenous able to pay $5 to do exactly that. <laughs> Just think about it. On April 1st, 1902, public notices were passed around detailing, the, detailing that excuse me, other claimants can legally make their case for freedmen enrollment. Basically, anybody who missed out on the first Dawes roll. But what I want you to understand is, is that we didn't have just Caucasians coming here doing this. We had a lot of people coming here doing this. A lot of people who were not at all indigenous. Who came here to take the Dawes roll in order to get land. And I wanted you to realize this all happened on April 1st. So the whole concept of April Fool's Day is literally mocking the fact that the ancestors connected to this land got everything literally taken from them right under their nose. little sidetrack just to let you know a little something Martin Luther King originally was doing a lot of his work for human rights but he was so pushed by individuals for him to basically march for black rights Instead of human rights, because he was on the right track with the human rights. This is why Malcolm X was far more effective in this mission. And if you don't understand that, Martin Luther King once said this. And this is specifically one of the last quotes that he said. And I'm not quoting it directly, but one thing I know directly he said was this. I feel like I've brought my people into a burning house. What did he mean by that? Because he knew... Originally, fighting for human rights would have guaranteed people keeping their sovereignty, right? Because doing that, you wouldn't have to vote, right? Correct. 
If you sovereign, you ain't got to vote. That vote ain't got nothing to do with you, your people, your ancestry, nothing. Hence why we had individuals in Congress before voting was even allowed in 1965. So what was the method of getting inducted? It was being sovereign, literally. Being a freed man of Indian land. And being a freedman ensured not only your sovereignty, but that you were recognized for the sovereignty you had. And it was recognized due to the connection that you had between your own ancestry. So the thing is, when Martin Luther King changed that march for human rights into a march for black rights, this is when you had such a a convoluted understanding at that time. Everybody seemed to have inquired or more so claimed for themselves because they literally, at that point of calling themselves black, became property. Being property and being considered dead by federal standards, you can't be in a position such as Congress. This is why, real quick, another sidetrack. And rest in peace to both Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Period, end of the day. But there's one more thing. Do you really genuinely believe that the only way that you can find sovereignty is becoming a part of federal government? Because that's exactly what Martin Luther King did. You can't seek sovereignty while asking for for it from a federal government that originally had nothing to do with the process on how things were ran there before their arrival. So by asking alone, I've put myself in a position to not only end up having to vote, but I'm already considered property. Because sovereign people don't need to ask for permission. And that's straight up. This is why you have even to this day. When you look at the Moorish community. Individuals who identify themselves as Moors. I want you to realize that you can go online right now and look up IDs. And they say you can get a travel permit. Right? That's correct if you sovereign. But I want you to realize that a majority of these individuals on these IDs are not white, but their race on that ID is considered white. Why? Because clearly through federal means, again, the word black means dead. Means property, 
The word white means alive. It has nothing to do with color of a person on a race level at all. It's got to do with actually your status. That's the craziest thing about it. This has nothing to do with anything other than status. I'll repeat one more time. Black and white are not based on skin complexion. But are actually confirmations of one status. I just want y'all to intake this little bit of info. Believe me, I'm going to be back at you with more. But we at a time now where you have to understand. We cannot play games about denying our lineage and acting like it's not important no fucking more, man. I want you to realize the whole aspect of how this shit has been so successful is due to the amount of people who don't give a damn. The government knows it can't force you to do shit. It can just influence you to do it. It can't force you to change your mind. It just convinces you that this other way is better. Or that this way of thinking is bad. And when it comes to the aspect of sovereignty and federal laws of freedom, your actual freedom is on the side of sovereignty and not federal law. Our ancestors knew this, hence the very agreement that we made with the first settlers. We demanded that they recognize our sovereignty and our freedom outside of their government. But if they wanted to have a government here, we had to work side by side. Us being as cordial as we were, as far as our ancestors, I want you to realize how that was able to happen. We the ones who ended up starting to sign promissory notes. Basically applications and sign contracts. Because we wanted these particular benefits that we were promised. But we realized when we put that down in tiny lettering at the bottom of the page, it was basically like saying, oh, but you will no longer be considered sovereign. Your connection to your ancestors is no longer put into to play federally. We don't act like we know it. We're going to act like we don't see it. And then as soon as that occurred in 1900, you already know. On the census they put down, A, anybody who seems to have African features, anybody who seems to be full-blooded indigenous native of America, we're going to put them down on the 1900 census as colored. By putting that down, they were already well on the way of making indigenous people into property. I want you to realize real quick. As I said earlier, we already know that these promissory notes were all that were used to verify to the government. If you did, say for instance, if you were 
a slaveholder. By federal standards, slaves were not considered slaves, they were considered laborers. Say it again. By federal standards, a slave was not considered a slave, they were considered as laborers or workers. Why? Because they had to sign a contract to be in that position. I want you to realize the effectiveness of that. And when you think about money in the 1800s, that wasn't possible. The Federal Reserve note arrived in the 1900s. So were people buying slaves or trading them? Is another question. You can't buy slaves if you had no commerce. See, we we saw value upon our our ore, like you know, our gold, platinum, silver, copper, things like that. Not only for the factor of the visual concept of what we were looking at, knowing that it was, oh, it looks pretty. No, it wasn't just that. We literally knew already you can make fuel out of these damn things. We already knew. We already had cities. Things of this nature. They were fully operating off these processes of understanding the value of metallic ore. Hence why to us, gold really wasn't that important, ultimately. But to those who had no association with this land, who came here as settlers, they saw that shit as the pot of gold that you now see it is today. We had a value on things that were not based off monetary value. We did trading. That's how we ran commerce. But then you realize those are inanimate objects ultimately being traded, right? So if I make you put down that you're an inanimate object, a.k.a. you're colored, if I basically put you down as that, you see where the relation goes now? Hence why... You had a certain value as soon as you were put in that position. Hence, then you could be traded. No one can tell you your value. Unless you put down something that lets them determine how much your value is. And in this case, we had individuals putting down. That they were colored. Or white and black. This and this and that. Which have no connection to actual ancestral roots of any kind. Look guys. Gals. Anybody. Everybody listening. I want you to realize that everything you've been taught is a fucking lie. When it comes to this concept. Of who actually is doing what. When it comes to the damn. Those casinos. All that. That ain't us. That ain't us. 
that ain't actual indigenous people that ain't. You wonder why since the gaming laws were made for particular Native Americans to open up casinos and things of this nature, you wonder why they don't pay taxes. But then you wonder why the government never sends FBI officials to actually survey these casinos. And then you wonder why in the last 40, 30 years or more, we've had countless examples of casinos that are actually getting, well, not getting, but are involved completely with money laundering, forgery and things of this nature, and mafia, organized crime. And this is confirmed. Like, this is actually confirmed. There's no joke about that. Dare you to look that up. I'm going to tell you something real quick. Bear with me. Because like I said, I ain't here to represent no party. Nothing. But what I am here for is to speak some fucking concrete facts. And I just want you to know. Who was one of the first individuals in America to open up a casino that actually pays taxes? I'll give you a second. I'll give you a second. I'll give you a second. Because it's probably going to be the last name you want to fucking hear. But I'll give you a second. And I'm going to let you know why that's pretty fucking important. But I'm going to give you a second. That'd be Trump. You know that, right? Donald Trump. You know that, right? He was the first individual to open up a casino or a gaming casino under gaming law. That actually pay back taxes in America. He was one of the first to do that. Why do you think he has one of the most successful goddamn casino businesses, all that gambling businesses in America? Now I want you to understand that this is important for more than a few reasons, but mainly this. You've got to realize that individuals were still entering into his casino. Still doing gambling, everything, of course, that's what it's for. But just like these other casinos that are on reservations and things of this nature, land that's owned by natives, as you see today, that, to keep it real with you, they're not real indigenous people. A lot of them don't know. They ain't been taught it either. They ain't been told shit. A lot of the great chiefs that was once alive, that actually knew this shit, a lot of them are gone. So I wish you realize though, Trump was one of the first to actually get a list of names of particular people who were doing money laundering for organized crime. And this was a couple of decades ago. Like we talking more than a couple actually. You got to realize why that actually mattered because that actually went to court. 
And with these names that he had, he provided that. But this is the thing. No one ever did background detective work. No FBI ever got on a case about any of it. But it all turned out to be true. It was confirmed that there were a lot of mafia bosses, organized crime, things of this nature, fully influencing not only the casinos, but laundry mats, other places. Particular areas of business where you paid little to no taxes. So as they say at these reservations, at these casinos, they don't pay taxes, but where's the money going? Because you clearly see it's not going back to the reservations. Because if that was the case, those reservations would be cities by now, wouldn't they? Just ask yourself. Ask yourself. Where all that money go? Because if it was in the hands of the same people who was running in casinos, you would only figure that they would turn back around and put that money back into the community. But that's clearly where it wasn't going. Hence why you're seeing nothing really change with these reservations. Right. It's some wild shit to think about. But I want you to realize this ain't the first time this shit's happened. It took years for this process of takeover to happen, man. Years. They couldn't come straight to you. Settlers didn't just come here. Look indigenous people in the face and just, oh, you're black, so um, you're not considered property. You're, they couldn't do that. Them people knew their ancestry. They had to convince them that they were no longer a part of it in order to call them something else. And by doing that, federal laws then applied to that individual. Y'all have to understand the premises of control. The government cannot force you to do anything. Nothing. But what they can do is convince you to do some shit yourself. That's the point. The devil can't force your ass. To put your name on that dotted line. But the devil will advertise to you. Every goddamn thing you ever think you wanted, needed. All the problems going to be away, gone, fixed. For you to feel you need to sign that fucking line. Right. Because there's some laws that existed before federal you have to understand, our ancestors knew that. It's the laws of Mayat. These are the laws of power as you're being told and taught today and reading in books. 
They know that shit. And the same motherfuckers that control you are very scared for you to figure out this here information. This really make them shake in their boots. You wonder why. It's hard to keep control over somebody when they're no longer considered by what you've been calling them. Because once that changes, the laws that affect what you've been calling that person change. If I told you every damn day after your birth that you were a dog and that you're supposed to crawl, you're supposed to bark, you're supposed to shit in the yard and kick your feet to kick fucking grass and soil on it. Then get to a point, you will literally believe that. If no one ever comes to you and tells you, hey man, any no. You will literally be that. If you yourself don't question shit. Which a lot of people don't. Hence why the control is so effective now. Because the ignorance is bliss. For real. And if they keep you ignorant, they can make shit happen without you knowing. And this shit here with the DOS roll and $5 Indian Act is one of the most prime examples of what happens when you genuinely don't know what you're getting into. Understand, understand and overstand that this is not a game no fucking more. People ain't playing with you out here. And the federal know that they got control because people are allowing themselves to be controlled. The government called you a fucking dog your whole life. So you got basically essentially plenty of motherfuckers barking. Walking around in all fours. In metaphorical sense. Yeah. Because they can't force you to do that. But they can convince you that it's normal. They can convince you that. That's what. You should do. If you want to get where you want to be. If you want to be accepted. And not neglected. And that's exactly what we had here. So understand that alone. And you will realize, damn, that was the process that was used. You constantly got told after a period of time that you were something that you were not. But the premise is, is that they couldn't do that initially. Because people knew who they were back then. This is the problem why now we have so many what you would consider African Americans in such a fucked up state. We wanted to, oh, excuse me, we wanted the only people who literally have the most difficulty identifying our great great grandmothers, our great 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 grandfathers, our great 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 aunt, all that. It's hard for us to trace back because it was intentionally hidden from us. 
Because if we know it, then we remain sovereign, right? That's the point. So the ignorance is bliss due to the fact that I have taken you away from your ancestry. You no longer having sovereignty and now seeking identity. I call you colored. But little do you know, colored really means black, which means deceased, which means basically property. But when I've been promising you since I first arrived that if we work together, we can do this and this and that as a settler. Being indigenous on the other side, I'm trying to work with you. I wanted to see both of us grow. That's our ancestors. That's how they saw it. They wanted us both to prosper. But clearly we knew over a time that it was only one spectrum that was going to prosper. It's wild. I dare y'all to do any background check on any of the shit I just said. Any of it. Research. The truth is stranger than fucking fiction, my guys. My girls. This is not a joke. Y'all need to understand the premises of how control works. Because it's self-endowed. Control is not something I really can force upon you federally. I can't do that to you. I can't break universal law. Especially against somebody who know universal law. Whose ancestors were built off of universal law for hundreds of thousands, millions of years. You can't trick somebody like that. Unless I make you think that law is no longer applying to you. That universal laws no longer apply to you. That your ancestry no longer applies to you. Now with you yet again seeking that identity. Seeking some position of comfort of yourself. You go out and vote. You go out and literally get considered black. Without your knowledge. Shit turns from human rights to black rights all of a sudden. And you're wondering why you're so constricted in America. As an African American in general. It's far less perplexing when you realize it took oneself to confuse their damn self. It's only confusing when you don't think it was self-endowed. Unfortunate. But we only did that because we thought it would be beneficial for both parties. For both the settlers and the indigenous people who were already here. There were millions of us. There's no way a small group of settlers gonna come over here and just tell you to your face, we gonna take your shit. They knew they couldn't do that. So clearly we had to get some inside job type shit going. That's how they did it. That's how they did it. Our ancestors weren't stupid. 
We were cordial. We were peaceful people. We already had a process of how we governed ourselves. Believe me, there was wars and all this stuff going on back then, but none of it was dealing with race. You got to understand that. It was in 1890 where a lot of that shit, as far as in America, what you consider racial problems and white supremacy, really started taking hold. You got to understand that. And that shit didn't only affect what you consider today as black people, it affected white people too. You think every white person signed the DOS roll? You think there were no black people that signed the DOS roll? No indigenous people who signed the DOS roll? When you think about that, now you can see. It's easy to catch a motherfucker slipping. If you know for a fact that as this person's walking up the street, you know it's a patch of ice here, and you don't tell them shit, and you know they ain't got the shoes, they ain't got nothing that's gonna prevent that fucking slip. All you gotta do is wait. As soon as they slip, it's over. It's really how it's going. It's how it's going out here. As bad as that example may have been, it really is similar to that though. I just want y'all to realize the importance of knowing the DOS roll, the $5 Indian Act. Do some research and some background check yourself. I dare you. If you believe anything I'm saying is out of whack, a little too much to handle, I could give a fuck less. It's time to do what's necessary for us to get our sovereignty back. And the first step of that is directly connecting ourselves back with nature, a.k.a. our ancestry, a.k.a. our roots. Realizing the power we have and that it's never truly left, but that we abandoned. This is Mr. Cos, man. I appreciate y'all for tuning in legitimately because this is a big one right here. All peace and love. Hope light shines on your path. Hope the sun brings warmth to your heart and leads you where you need to be. Y'all have a great evening. A great day, a great night, wherever you are on earth. And just be thankful you get to breathe this ether. I'll take care.